At our church, we say something all the time. We say, hashtag, kids matter. Kids matter. And it's, it's not just a slogan. It's something we try to put into practice. Hopefully you're seeing that through our online stream as we make sure we have good kid content and we have the, the kid class at 1130. And, um, and we're doing our best just to make sure kids know that they matter uh, and that we are doing our job to raise a new generation of God chasers. Now, by the numbers, if you look at our church family, we're only like one third kids. So two thirds of us are not kids. Many of you don't have children. Either they're grown or you don't even have children. And um, But here's the thing. Though only a third of us are kids, we are all 100% responsible for helping them know the Lord and to give them an example and to give them uh, something to look towards as they figure out what it means to accept Jesus in, in their life. And so that's why once a year, I love that we get to celebrate an organization called Compassion International. Compassion International is a worldwide organization. They've been around for over 65 years. There are almost 2 million kids have been sponsored through Compassion International. And what they do is they place themselves in some of the poorest communities in the world. They use the local church in that village or the little crossroads there. Uh, They even help to plant churches in those areas so that through those churches, which they also call Compassion Centers, they can get into the lives of these children and make a huge difference. In their lives. And so compassion is our word of the day. It is very much our focus of the day. And so I'm kind of a word nerd myself. I love words. I love language. And I like the word compassion because we experience compassion in, in a lot of different ways in our life. Uh, maybe you've experienced this at a child's sporting event. Uh, I coached a flag football team several years ago. I was an assistant coach. I wasn't the big dog. My man Kevin was the big dog, uh, but I was the assistant coach defensive coordinator if you want to give it an official title uh but let me tell you about our team they had energy they had spunk they loved football but one thing they they didn't have was uh, well they were terrible they were, they were terrible. these little tykes were not good at football uh they were okay but compared to the rest of the boys in their division it was like they were all a head taller they were all several years more experienced they had been together this team had just formed and didn't have as much uh experience uh, and even some of the skill wasn't there. And so if you've ever been to a sporting event where the team you're pulling for, especially if they're kids, are just getting destroyed, like that's why in a lot of sports there's a slaughter rule. Like if the score gets out of hand at some point, the officials like, tweet, tweet, we're good. Because all of the fans, especially the parents, are sitting in the stands, unless you're that one crazy mom who's just screaming like she is in the Olympics. Um, there's always that mom, if that's you, can I give you some advice? I've coached a couple of seasons of sports. Chill out. Just chill out. It's just a game. Okay. It really is just a game. You need to chill out. I'm just going to tell you that. It's just a personal therapy between me and you. <laughs> but uh, the thing is, we're all sitting in the stands and we're all just going, can this just be over? Can we just can we just move on to the next thing? Because it's terrible. That's compassion. That feeling in your heart where you're like, I just, we're going to get them all, you know, popsicles afterwards. That's uh. That's compassion. Uh, when Hurricane Florence came through, okay, and, and was sitting on top of Wilmington for so long, and then we saw the flooding, especially with our friends up in Pender County, and, oh, man, to see some of our friends' houses underwater, and my heart goes out to the, the Sanders family and the Zimmerman family, two families within our close-knit church family who were directly affected, and then we eventually started working with DART ILM, and we see all these other families And when you saw those images on the news or on social media and you saw their houses underwater and you just thought, I got to do something. And so you hosted a bake sale or you donated $50 or you donated hours of time to go muck out a house in some neighborhood you'd never seen before. That's compassion. 
The Oxford Dictionary defines compassion like this. A strong feeling of sympathy and sadness for the suffering of others and a desire to help them. That's compassion. We get our English word compassion from two old Latin words. Uh, I, I don't know Latin, but the idea is the, the, the word uh, com and the word, I think, passio. And so com passio. Two words. And together what they mean is with suffering. Together, alongside of suffering and pain. The idea is to join in with someone else in their suffering. That's what compassion means. So compassion has two components. It is a, it's a hybrid between a painful emotion and a strong desire to do something about it. Compassion is close to the heart of God. And we are in this teaching series that we've been in for several weeks uh, called A New Mentality. And last week, as we were in chapter 3, we landed on a verse that is going to kick us off today. We're going to kind of pause our study through Colossians today, finish it up next week. But I love that Colossians just happens to have one of the greatest verses about compassion in the Bible. Brent referenced it earlier, and this is Colossians 3.12. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with, what? Compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And we talked about this last week, that this is the idea. There's some things we need to rid ourselves of, and there's some things we need to put on like clothes. And one of those things, one of these things closest to the heart of God is compassion. Today is special for us, Venture Church, and anyone who watching, who's watching and anyone who ends up hearing information because of this talk that I'm giving right now, because we have a very unique opportunity. Uh, in the six and a half years that our church has existed, we, I don't think we've, we've ever had an opportunity like the one we have today. So please pay attention for the next several minutes as I unpack this, because it's huge and it's important that you get involved in some way or another as it comes to compassion. You have the power right now, sitting where you are on your couch or wherever you're sitting, to change the life of a child forever. You have that ability because of what we're doing this morning. The second thing is just because you're changing the life of one child, you have the ability to change the life of their entire family. And because you're changing the life of an entire family, you're changing the course, in many cases, of a whole community. Because of a decision you might make this morning to talk about something with your friends, to share it online, or to make a direct impact yourself. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about compassion this morning. Both the word compassion and the, the, the idea that God places around compassion and about an organization called Compassion. And how those things come together to give us this unique opportunity. So we're going to be in the Bible. We're going to be looking at a very short story from the life of Jesus, from the book of Matthew. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. Flip over to the book of Matthew, chapter 9. And in verse 35, we start off a short little story where Jesus is walking into a town and we just have this moment with Jesus. So take a look at that. Matthew 9, 35. It says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, when I look at the world we live in today, I must admit, I'm often brokenhearted when I see the pain that many people live in. And it's easy for me to want to just kind of retreat into my happy place 
and put up my blinders and say, no, 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 or to just try to like stay in my little happy corner of the world and try to convince myself that it's not my problem. Like someone else is going to deal with this or really just, you know what? That's the way the cookies crumbled for those people. Sorry. But Jesus's mission in coming to the world was to seek and to save the lost. Now, when you hear that phrase, Jesus came to seek and save the lost, you might you might immediately go to kind of a, um, I use this word loosely, but a religious place. We're talking about faith. We're talking about salvation. We're talking about sin. Yes, 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 a hundred times yes. That's what Jesus was talking about. But uh, that word translated compassion here in Matthew 9, uh, it tells us a lot about Jesus' mission. And it's going to show us some things about Jesus' character. That word compassion, I told you I was a word nerd. Uh, the word compassion that was originally written in Greek, and that Greek word that's translated compassion is the word splagna. Can you can you say that with me? It's just a fun word. Say splagna. Splagna. You gotta come from your guts, you know, because it kind of there's a reason you gotta come from your guts. The word splagma, splagna means intestines. It means guts. Something like this region right here. Uh, not necessarily literally. But, but I want to tell you, like, if you translated this literally, what the passage would say is when Jesus saw the crowds, he had intestines on them. That's pretty gross. Uh, no, thank you, Jesus. I don't need your intestines on me. Uh, but that's not exactly what it means. And I think you, you might have already picked up on that. We have phrases like this in our language. We say, uh, I saw what you were going through and my heart went out to you. Did it really? Because that's gross. Like, did you put your heart in a box and send it through FedEx? And No, of course not. What that means is, like, I felt a strong emotion that way. And so when you see this verse, I want you to hear it this way. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had splachna on them. When Jesus saw the crowds, his stomach was in knots over their situation. Now, notice in this little story, he's talking about going to several villages. And he's seeing crowds of people. And as he's walking through the world, his stomach is in knots because they are harassed and they're like sheep without a shepherd. They've got pain. They've got suffering. They've got things that they've got to work through. He had compassion on them. He saw the pain in the world and he intended to do something about it. Now, Jesus, uh, his role of compassion is ultimately the gospel message. The fact that Jesus came into the world, God as a man, to give his life to show all of mankind salvation and grace and eternal life. Like, that's the message of Jesus. And that's the thing that we talk about every single week at, at our church and at all churches. That's the whole point of Christianity. But in this short little story, I want you to notice what Jesus says and what he doesn't say as it pertains to me and you as followers of Jesus. This is what he doesn't say, okay? He doesn't say this. Jesus walked into the crowds and he said, man, you know what, guys? These people are in bad shape, but don't you worry about it. Don't you worry about a thing. Someone else is going to take care of this. What he doesn't say is, I see the people suffering. And you know what? I'm just going to wave my magic wand and, you know, expecto patronum. and It's all going to go away and it's good. Don't worry about it. I wish that God would do that. I wish that God would just come in and wipe away all the hurt, but he doesn't choose to do that. That's what he doesn't say. But what does he say? Now, what he does say is this. I want to look again at verse 37. It says, Then he said to his disciples, 
the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He commissions his followers to see the need and do something about it. Now, Jesus has compassion on, on the hurting and the broken, the, the suffering, the sick, even those spiritually broken, all of us who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He was willing to lay down his life uh, to save us uh, in all of our brokenness. And so you ask the question, well, why doesn't God just come down here and fix all the brokenness? Wave his magic wand. Why doesn't he get rid of all the HIV AIDS? Why doesn't he just wipe COVID-19 off the face of the planet? Why doesn't he get rid of the racist-driven shootings that we see and that we saw this past week? Like, why, why doesn't he just wipe that stuff out? Well, here's the thing. Jesus ultimately came for our spiritual healing. He didn't come just to make the world a comfortable place to live. He, he wants us ultimately to seek him spiritually. But he does have some concern for the physical healing in the world. And I think one of his biggest tools to impacting that is us, his followers, to do what we can. And to learn from his example. See, Jesus didn't come just to heal the body, but he used healing the body as an avenue to get to the soul. I mean, you see it all the time in his teaching and in his life. Like, we see a blind man that comes to Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He heals him of his blindness. He does care about that, but it's because he wanted to make a point. He wanted to teach something. And he wanted people to know about the spiritual side of the problem. Uh, he fed hungry crowds, thousands of people, so that he could show them his greatness and his goodness. He met their physical need. I think of the woman that he caught in adultery. I mean, she was caught in the act by some people, drug out onto the street. She was being put on trial right in front of God and everybody in the street. And Jesus walks in and he pushes the crowd aside and he gets down on his knee and he gets her face as if to say eye to eye, listen, you matter and I love you. And once she has some dignity restored, he says, okay, now go and sin no more. He met her physical need for belonging and mattering before he took care of that spiritual need. And on and on it goes as he approaches lepers who are untouchable in society, but he puts his hands on them and he, he shows them his love. Now, in all of these instances, Jesus does deal with the spiritual issue in each person's life. But to get there, he begins to meet a physical need. Which brings us to our opportunity today. Jesus says, Matthew 9, uh, at the end of our passage today, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his harvest field. Now make no mistake, this goes hand in hand with the great commission that he gave us at the end, of book, at the end of the book of Matthew. To go into all the world and make disciples and teaching them to obey the commandments and baptizing them in my name and all those kinds of things. Like That is ultimately what we're concerned with. But what's really interesting here is that in this moment, he is having compassion on the brokenness of the people. And he's saying, listen, you know, one of the things that needs to be done by my harvesters is to go and have compassion. Today we're talking about an awesome organization called Compassion International. Compassion International, like I said, is a worldwide organization. And what they do is they create centers around the world in some of the poorest communities, and uh, and they provide care specifically for children. And each of those centers is managed by a local church. 
And they, the compassion group comes in and they give them leadership and they give them guidance and they give them training. But in each of those situations, what you see is a sponsor, someone like me and you, being paired with a child. And for $38 a month, only $38 a month, less than the price of a tank of gas per month, you can provide for a single child uh, food, medical care, education, and access to a community that they wouldn't have had access to otherwise. And in their education, they learn about Jesus. Why? Because it's being sponsored by the local church there in their village. And there are local pastors that are there to take care of them. And there are caregivers. My sponsor, my family sponsors a little girl from Ecuador. Her name is Merely. Here's a picture of Merely uh, with our family. We've known Merely for about seven years now. We watched her grow up. Uh, one day I hope to fly to Ecuador and meet Merely face to face. And uh, can't wait to see her story. But the cool thing about Compassion is that we've been able to connect with her. We've been able to write letters to her. Uh, she writes us back. They send us pictures. It's an amazing thing. We're watching her grow, watching her mature. She asks us fun questions. Uh, I love the Myers family. Got to share uh, in the kids video a little bit about what they're doing with with their kid, Jorge. And uh, guys, by the way, thank you so much. Jacob, uh, Peyton, Lily, thank you for sharing uh, time with your family, with our church family, so we can see what your family's doing. And you got to see in action what that looks like. Here's some images from some other families in our church who uh, have sponsored children. It's awesome to see the impact that our small church family has made in the lives. And I, I believe that to date, uh, something like 50 children have been sponsored through you guys, through Venture Church. And so that's amazing. Um, and so, but it's not just the sponsorship and feeding kids things. It goes beyond that. They, they get into those villages and they begin to train some of the people who live in there to be caregivers and to learn the basic nurse-like skills to go in and do well child checkups and to help advise people on nutrition and beyond that to get them involved in their church and teach them about the love of God. It's an amazing thing. I got to visit the Compassion Center in Ecuador back in 2012. I flew down to Ecuador with about 20 other pastors. Compassion has a program where they actually bring in uh, they bring in pastors from around the world and they just they want you to see the inner workings so that we can come home to our congregations and say, listen, this is what it is. This is what it looks like. And let me tell you, man, the process there in Ecuador was amazing. I got to go to multiple villages and we're hopping in little cars and buses and little prop planes and we're flying all over the country to visit these uh, these little village uh, compassion centers. And I got to tag along with this little lady. I mean, she was probably like four foot five. Okay. And I'm walking along with her. She's carrying a big old bag of rice on her shoulder. I got a bag of rice. We're carrying like bags of chicken and other uh, medicines and clothes and things like that. And we're walking through these little trails to these villages to visit the families and check on them. I saw her meet with babies and, and take their temperature and ask the mom questions about nutrition. A lot of the moms that I got to see were like 14 years old. And can you imagine being a 14-year-old in a third-world country with a baby and no resources and know how to take care of them, but compassion comes along and teaches you and helps you. Seeing the compassion children talk about their sponsors, oh, it's amazing. It's amazing because they feel like they're grandparents that live across the ocean and angels that have come in to help their families. Compassion International, International is an amazing organization. And so as an opportunity this morning, we have partnered with them to do 
an online Compassion Sunday. Let me tell you a little bit about this part before we, we wrap up today, okay? Uh, so we had plans to have our Compassion Sunday this Sunday. We've been planning it for months, almost a year. And so we, uh, but it's, we're here we are in quarantine. What do we do? We reached out to Compassion and said we were thinking about having an online Compassion Sunday. And they said, that's awesome. In fact, several churches have reached out about that and we've never done one before. But you guys would be the first ones to ever do it. So can we learn with you? So here's what they've done. And I want to encourage you to do this. Uh, if you've got another browser window in your computer, you can go do this on or on your phone or even um, just after our service is over today. I want you to head over to, this is awesome, compassion.com slash venture church. Look at that. That is uh, our church logo right on the Compassion website. What they've done is they compiled for us a list of some kids who are in the most need. If you look through this page, there are 80 children in need. 80. And these 80 children come from just two congregations. One church in Ecuador, one church in Bolivia. And put that in perspective. On a Sunday morning, we might have close to 30 kids at our church. Imagine if every single child in our church family was in need of sponsorship. Their families didn't have adequate uh, food, water, access to education, things like that. That means that whole church family, most likely, is in severe poverty. And these two churches have been waiting over six months to have their kids sponsored. So I'm putting out a special call today. Uh, you might already sponsor a child. I would encourage you to think about sponsoring another one. You might have never thought about sponsoring a child. I want to encourage you to start for the first time. And you have access to hundreds of people through social media. I want to encourage you to share our page, compassion.com slash join the venture and tell your story. And I want you to share it on your social media and encourage people to pick up one of these kids. Now, I don't know that our church family on a regular Sunday would be able to pick up and sponsor 80 children, but I know, I know that through your social media presence, we could, if we put our hearts to it. If you're a leader at another church and you see this, I want to encourage you to join us in the in the, the calls. This isn't about Venture Church getting credit. It's just that we asked them for the biggest need. We said, what is the biggest need? They said, child sponsorship in these two churches. It's your biggest need. Will you consider taking a look at that today and making it a priority to pray about it and to see what your family can do to help? What I hope you can have is compassion. It isn't going to be easy for all of these 80 kids to be sponsored. But through the power of God, it's possible. Child sponsorship isn't just about kids because these kids grow up to be adults. And those adults have become some of the greatest leaders in their community that you could imagine. Teachers, some of them sponsor compassion children on their own. These kids get to rise up of poverty and go off to college or get other education and a trade. They get trained. And they get to give back. I want to take a second to show you a video from Compassion about a couple of people whose lives were changed because somebody made room for just one more. Growing up as a child, life was very hard. And many other times that if we didn't have food, then we'd go to scavenge in the, in the dumping sites. I didn't have food the day before, neither the other day before. I only knew that I was hungry and I needed food. As a child, I grew up with a lot of hopelessness and I knew that death was the best thing for me. 
At the age of seven, I lost three family members. I lost my mom and I lost my stepdad. I lost my small brother Patrick because of the terrifying disease of HIV AIDS. In the middle of prostitution. Feeling so helpless. Poverty made me feel less valued. It made me feel not loved. It made me feel uh, less of a human. Because it's so hard when you have not eaten dinner and knowing you'll not have lunch and you're not assured for dinner the following day, it's just feeling very helpless, like things are not gonna be better. I lost four of my siblings due to preventable diseases. Uh, three of them died before the age of five. My sister, we were sleeping with her in the same bed and she, she had died. Things changed later when I joined the program. When I started attending the Compassion Project, I was learning about the Bible, but the most important thing for me was that I was receiving food. I got an opportunity to go to school. Uh, with a pair of school uniform, with a pair of shoes. My mother heard about a church that worked with children. They're taking care about me, tutors, a pastor, a compassion director. Words are very powerful. My life was changed because someone told me, I believe in you, I love you, and I know you will succeed in life. My sponsor was a college student from Michigan, and in the first letter, she just told me that she wanted to make room for me. My sponsor, he was eight years old when I was nine, so he was one year younger than me. One decision to make room for one more changed my life. Saved my life. Saved my life. Will you make room for a child that needs you? Will you make room for one more? It's up to you. My name is Rafael. My name is David. My life was changed by a 26-year-old college student. Her name is Joan. Gail and Roger. Her name is Jamie. My sponsor made room for one more. And that one more. And that one more was me. Was me. Sponsor a child through compassion today. Release a child from poverty in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Whew, that was powerful. Uh, I gotta admit, uh, even knowing the stories of compassion and being involved in it myself, for a little while now, just hearing those stories afresh and the extreme poverty that they were called out of, not only to be able to eat, which at that time was the most important thing, but then to learn about the love of Jesus and to be able to spread that love to future generations. Will you join me in making room for one more?
And will you please, please, please pray for Compassion International and that you will have a heart of compassion. Let's go to God in prayer this morning.